We did it. <laughs> we, we, we've done so many things, but what we're actually talking about is the fact that we've connected because we've been meaning to talk since October last year. It is now May. Yep. It, it took us a while, but good things are worth waiting for. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm excited that we finally be able to make the time together. So thank you. Thank you. Katie McLaughlin. Now, please tell me I'm pronouncing that right with my Kiwi accent. It's wonderful. I accept all pronunciations of my last name. Now, you see, this is a sort of attitude. One is welcoming. One is inclusive. Pronounce it however you want. Yep. Katie with McLaughlinMethod.com. She transforms startup executive teams into motivational leaders that accelerate performance and build an engaging culture. What a fantastic statement. Well, thank you. You know, it's, I wish it was as simple as that statement sounds. (laughs) Well, I've got a lot of questions to ask you about that, but uh, I was kicked up the dairy the other day because every now and then I forget to ask clothes questions about clothes. So <laughs> <laughs> I get so engrossed. So I want to point out that I'm on Katie's homepage, and this is what I would call a perfect uh, muted color palette with a with a similar color, similar uh, similar color theme running through it, but with a lot of visual in- interest. She has texture. She has pattern, she has color, and she has even got these beautiful dangling earrings which emphasize the scoop neck. You're just going to have to jump on the site and have a look, but trust me, she has nailed this. Well, thank you. I will definitely have to offer credit to my photographer. I brought probably half of my closet with me to this like out of town photo shoot so I could work with this one photographer and I was like, figure out what I should wear. I must meet her. I think her and I get on very well. And she's even even wearing the most fantastically stunning red lipstick. And there is nothing a red lipstick can't improve. That's true. But before we, let, let's segue back off. Did, oh, but let me ask one more closet question. What are you wearing right now? Or what would you like to tell me that you're wearing right now? <laughs> I, one of those phone lines that you really have to pay per minute. But uh, feel free to answer however you want. <laughs> well, so I wasn't sure if we were going to be meeting on video or just, you know, via audio. And so it was actually very freeing to know we were going to be meeting on audio. But I kept uh, myself dressed like I was being uh, recorded today on video. And I'm wearing a denim dress and a green, like forest green leggings uh, and a purple shrug. And I've also got some dangly earrings on today. What a great mix of jewel colors. That sounds fantastic. Especially since denim is a neutral, who doesn't love purple? And with forest green, what a great combination. So even without your photography, you know how to get dressed. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Thank goodness. I was really worried. So I'm glad that you validated that. Yeah, I, I'm actually in dramas, but moving on. So Katie specializes, if you if your team is underperforming and if your team has high turnover, uh, you definitely need to track her down and talk to her. But before, before we go a little deeper into that, I want to scroll back to the fact that, as Katie says, she has been there. 
you've spent more than 10 years in technology startups in various sectors. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, that's right. So I was really attracted at first to the kind of promises of startup culture and tech companies where, you know, things are moving fast and there's lots of opportunity, you know, for growth and to do different things. And yeah, I just kind of fell into it by accident. I had moved to Boston uh, from New Hampshire where I grew up and uh, I was hunting for a job. I was still commuting back into New Hampshire for, for work for a little while. And, you know, a friend you know, recommended a, a software uh, startup that I ended up working for in kind of customer service and sales. And the way things work in the tech world, you're often brought in in a kind of an entry level role. And then you have opportunities from there to um, apply for other roles. And so that was really where I got into corporate training, where I just really thrive. I love working with people and being in a classroom and helping people to have that moment of like, aha, and realizing like, oh, wow, like a connection, right? And, and learning something new. I just love that moment and cultivating that for uh, for people. And yeah, it was definitely fast paced. I had an opportunity to learn so many things in a very short period of time. And it always felt like a year at a tech startup or a technology company, uh, often felt like five years based off of the just sheer amount of work you could get done in that period of time. One of the great things about working for a startup is that if it's a small team, yes, you are putting in a lot of hours, but you get so much, you, you get an opportunity for so much more variety. Is right. Experience? Exactly. And, you know, I found it even with like the larger startups. So many of the companies I worked for still had probably a hundred at least 100 employees, if not closer to two or 300, and they still called, called themselves a startup. And because they wanted to evoke that energy still, and they still did. And, and even at those stages, there's still so much opportunity to work on cool things. And um, there's also this, you know, general culture of the best ideas could come from anywhere. So, you know, there's lots of open doors and pathways to contributing your ideas and your, you know, creative energy. That is exciting. And in the technology startups in various sectors, you've been from healthcare, retail, hospitality, legal, and enterprise solutions. Forgive me, what's what's enterprise solutions? Yeah, so there's a group of essentially software that is typically sold into larger companies. So, um, you know, uh, an example of this would be like Salesforce is a technology company and they have a online technology platform that they typically sell into larger companies and typically enterprise. Um, it's a bigger sale, a longer sales cycle, more complicated products potentially. Thank you for explaining that. I'm impressed I didn't look it up before, but I figured I'd ask Katie. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, one ask the expert. So you know how difficult it can be to balance business results with the needs of employees. And that can lead to a high turnover if that's not done well. And why is, why is high turnover so detrimental to a company? Well, there's a lot of reasons why high turnover is detrimental. So one of the first reasons is that it can cost a lot of money to replace that person. So to you know, spend time interviewing new candidates, sourcing candidates, uh, it's time away from 
the people who are interviewing that candidate, there's time away from their jobs. So there's all this lost time and, and lost, um, lost energy there to replace that person. But then the other reason why turnover is a problem is that you always lose that knowledge. So the knowledge turnover, especially in a, the fast paced world of technology and software companies, that can be a huge uh, a huge blow to the overall kind of success of that company and how quickly they can um, recoup that knowledge. So when you've got a kind of revolving door of people going in and out, you're always training new folks. You're always getting people up to speed. And sometimes that means you can't get past some of the same kinds of problems over and over again because the people are just always new. I've, I've experienced that and if you've got an interview process where several people have to interview somebody, you, mm -hmm. you're talking about a week's worth of hours that can be taken up to interview a candidate that may not be successful. Exactly. This must play a part in a team underperforming, but what are some of the other issues? Yeah, so... There can also be a lot of questions as to like why these people keep leaving, right? And typically when a lot of folks are only staying for a year or two um, or a year and a half, those folks are just staying to kind of get that milestone on their resume and they probably were unhappy way before that. And, you know, all the things ring true out there about how 75% of people who voluntarily leave their jobs leave because of their bosses. Um, you know, no industry is immune to that statistic. And so there are, unfortunately, bad bosses and bad cultures that where, yes, there's this opportunity, but that opportunity in the tech world might only be for people of a certain background or once you've reached a certain milestone uh, and, and isn't an equitable uh, experience of opportunity. One of the main reasons uh, for having issues with bosses, I would guess is communication. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And especially now, you know, with so many companies still being remote, still planning on being remote, and most people have had no little to no manager training at all, let alone training in how to be a manager when you never get to see your team. So that communication, things can be way more abrupt when your communication is all remote. If you're only sending communication via, you know, your Slack channels or your, you know, quick emails or a text, it, it's very easy for us to put a tone on that communication that is not there and, or not intended. And so, you know, managers have to work harder now to make sure that the message that they intend to send is received as such. So it's not just about the words that you say as a manager, but it's also about, well, how is your team receiving them? If you've already got a tenuous relationship with folks on your team, you might have to do extra in order to articulate, you know, praise or to articulate that you, uh, you know, really just are genuinely curious about something and that's why you're asking a question as opposed to someone might experience it as being attacked. There are so many nuances with communication when you, you yeah. don't 
being in the same room with somebody. You're not reading body language. You're not feeling their energy. And a lot of, uh, through COVID, people are hiring people they've never actually met. Yep. And that's not going to change anytime soon. We've learned that we don't have to stay where we are to work where we want. So one of the, I, I, one of the reasons to reach out to you is that you're able to help leaders put teach them to be better bosses in a way that they can now cope with this new hybrid world. Right. Exactly. And it takes both an intentional mindset and intentional actions to shift our behavior. Cause you know, I think all of us are guilty at one time or another of um, you know, expressing anger of, you know, being really frustrated of, not wanting to do any more work, um, you know, of, you know, letting bias or our, um, or systemic racism or any of that run our thinking. We've all, I think, learned a lot over this last year about how, how embedded some of that is in our culture and our habits. And it doesn't feel good to acknowledge that, but we can't shift our behavior until we acknowledge it. There's been a recent story uh, about a company that didn't acknowledge it, that asked its mm. employees not to acknowledge it, and uh, they lost a third of their staff overnight. Yeah. I think I know the. I think I know the company you're talking about, uh, and you know, honestly, I've I've delved into some of the things that both the leadership said and some of the you know employees said, and. A thing that keeps coming up for me in that kind of regard is about, you know, as leaders, as business owners, we have to be willing to admit when we've messed up, right? And if we have messed up as evidenced by your employees' responses, I don't think that was their hope, was that half a third of their employees would leave. Um, but it's important to be able to acknowledge that you're a human too. And so for me, I've also seen that situation as an opportunity to have compassion for this leader who was in a really difficult situation. And, and I genuinely believe that they thought that they were making a claim and a, um, a policy for the good of their company, for the good of their employees. I don't believe it was made with malicious intent, but I think that's one of the challenges of learning how to work with a diverse team and people from diverse backgrounds is that we might not always see the impact of our actions, but once we can see the impact of our actions, then we need to do right by our people. Boss, yeah, bosses are human too. I was, it's very possible all the person meant was, hey, you know, we do need to focus on work. We have goals we need to meet. We have right. what we need to do. What's going on is is tough, but, you know, we, we really do need to get back to business. And that's a right. really hard thing to say to your staff who are rocked by emotional hangovers, who are personally, personally affected by what's going on. Uh, we're recording this in May 2021, and it's still a very turbulent time. And it's very hard, especially when you're working from home, to separate what's going on in your personal, your social yeah. Or uh, the way you view the world from your from your office, it's it's not uh, not so many people are able to say, right, I'm leaving home, I'm going to work, and between this time and this time, right, 
focus on this because the world intrudes in a way that it, it, it didn't do even a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. And we have been isolated for so long. Mm. And, and that isolation, you know, if I really think about it, in some ways, work and the workplace, uh, you know, or company, for, for lack of a better word, since we're not going to a different place, typically, uh, work has often been um, an anchor, you know, a steady thing for a lot of folks. Um, and so they don't have outlets where they can express themselves besides work. And maybe they haven't for months because all they have is their home life or work, right? Since, you know, a lot of activities were canceled, events, we, we couldn't travel. And so, yeah, there's just been a lot of hurt people out there with no outlet to try to heal that. Oh, of course. What a wonderful way to put it. Um. I, yeah, I, I'm just pausing to think because I, yeah, I was, I was just thinking how isolation has been such a theme over the mm -hmm. last half, and and I'm wondering in some cases where we've reached out to the outside world and and learned and grown so much, but that's been our only way of actually connecting is to go to the media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I don't know about you, but I feel like I have like reconnected with more people uh, or strengthened relationships with people who don't live in my city yeah. um, more. And I, and people who live in my city, <laughs> we never made the transition to virtual hangouts. <laughs> we, we, so like there's several folks who I'm just seeing now for the first time in, you know, 14 months. Absolutely. I can count on one hand the number of women that I've, I've actually uh, seen in person. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that changing. But at the same time, I've gotten to talk to nearly 100 women thanks to this podcast, and that would never have happened without COVID. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. May I circle back to the fact that you also can use theatre exercises in what you do? Can you tell me yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So my degree was in theater and basically after college um, and in college I studied this group of theater techniques that are all of it's a it's a category of theater techniques called applied theater which is all about using theater um, and applying it to a non-theater purpose and I learned these these techniques it's all about having the ability to express yourself without knowing the right words um, it's about seeing how in life and in the world, we are both an actor and a spectator. Uh, whereas if you were to go to the theater, <laughs> you're only a spectator um, and you can't change the scenario. But in life, we're actors and spectators. And I have just found that there are so many lessons that um, apply from theater to the business world and also to personal development, right? Anything that we do where we're reflecting on ourselves and then taking action, that's us being a spectator of our own self as an actor, right? And we're making a shift and making a choice to act differently in, in, a, in the next kind of step of that. Um, and there's probably a million other, other lessons that uh, I will probably eventually write a book about and, you know, with light, 
business lessons from theater or something like that. But I bring the theater work into my workshops first to have some fun because we need to have more fun with each other and at work. And part of the ways that you build relationships is through fun and through through humor and through interacting. Um, and then the other big piece of it is about using these techniques to help deal with workplace issues that we don't feel like we have the language and the vocabulary to speak about. Things like, you know, a toxic workplace or, you know, um, abuse or bullying in the workplace, it can feel really threatening to come in and say that I feel like I've been bullied, uh, it, you know, in the workplace or to feel, to be able to say, I'm afraid when I walk into my meeting with my manager. Those aren't phrases that people could readily readily share, I would say, as a whole, right? And so these theater techniques, you can use your body uh, to express that without having to know the right words to express it. And we can start to build empathy really quickly with each other and realize, oh, that is a person too. And I've felt like that before, maybe not in this scenario, but I've felt like that before. So I understand how hard that is. That is a book I will read. I will, I will uh, promote business and theatre. Of course, there's so many things that go hand in hand, even down to dialogue and character interpretation and how we exactly to create a we want. That one will go straight to the Amazon top 10, I am sure. Oh, thank you. Well, and the other piece about it too is also the costume that you wear. Yes. Right. You know, I know that closets are, are are your thing. And so that that image that you create, it's important. Um, early in my career, I went to some some conference or something that had uh, a woman speak and, sh and she was a probably similar to what you do with, you know, helping people know what their color palettes are and, you know, fashion and a variety of things. And she listed a stat that I don't know the precise one, so I'm paraphrasing, but she said that women who wear makeup at work make more money. And now, first of all, I like reject that that is a, that that even needs to be part of our society. But if we want to get ahead as women, sometimes we have to appease our audience. And I have started to wear makeup when I, you know, have a photo shoot or have a video presentation or things like that. And now I don't do it just because that stat told me to, I now do it because it feels like self-care. I feel better when I've taken the time to, you know, put put makeup on, put on an outfit that makes me feel good. And that is what shows in the workplace, right? So the costume you put on is also going to influence how you show up. Especially if you're wearing the fabulous red lipstick that you have. That is so true. Watch a movie, watch a TV show. You will be able to tell so much about the characters simply from the way they are dressed. Right. And dress for the salary that you want. And yes, being groomed, feeling confident in what you're wearing, looking as if you spent time on self care. It, it does manifest into high stories. I 100% believe in that. It's a part of what I teach. As for what you teach, you help in so many different ways. You help companies with executive group coaching and culture transformation program. And 
culture transformation in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, and you have what you call, you accelerate performance. You've got an accelerate performance offer. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so people are at the heart of business performance. Mm -hmm. No company makes any money from just all robots, right? It is people (laughs) who... (laughs) It's people who, you know, make sales. It's people who purchase things. It's people who run companies, right? And so when we invest more in our people, we're able to accelerate the performance of our teams and of our departments. We'll have more revenue, more sales. And so my Accelerate Performance Program is for executive teams. It's a group coaching program. So that way, all of the executives get the same level of coaching and support and education. So as a team, they become the team that needs to lead their company towards better performance. And the executive teams are the ones that set the standard. Whether we like it or not, whether you've got a flat organization or not, there are still power dynamics at play. And I'm helping to teach executives to use those power dynamics for good, modeling the behaviors that they actually want to see out in the rest of their culture. And nobody wants to be a bad boss. I, I don't, right. deep down, people get up in the morning and think, great, I'm going to be Corella DeVille today. You know? <laughs> right. I, I, they're, uh, they really, I, I believe they want to be better. And believe me, we need better bosses. Sw- segwaying slightly, Employee engagement surveys. I've I've done a few. I've I've had been an employee. How how many people do you think maybe don't don't really say what's on their mind? I think there's probably a lot of them that don't say what's on their mind. And having been on the inside of you know talent or HR organizations, I can say to you that if they are using a service that is, you know, presenting your survey, uh, it's not just done via SurveyMonkey or, or like Google Forms or something, they can't actually tie your results to who you are. And so I do know that there are some folks out there, unfortunately, who try to figure out whose response was whose, but um, that's where kind of the open-ended questions you can look at the language that you use and and really be honest about what's going on there. But most engagement surveys are not open-ended questions. And so use those questions as a way to give honest feedback. And when you do get, uh, when you get employee engagement feedback back that you're not happy with, what a wonderful opportunity to learn, to grow and to make changes. Exactly. Which is where you come back in again. Yeah. I think you call it team health rebuilding, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah, Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So when I first started to tell people that I bring theater into my workshops, many of them think of like improv comedy. And there's been a lot more of a trend towards bringing in uh, theater professionals or or improvisers in for kind of a, a fun, you know, workshop. And and many of those workshops also teach skills about like listening and collaboration. Um, 
But I try to take that one step further and look at some of the real moments that we have in our day to day with our teams, whether that's in a team meeting or your one on ones with your boss or when you're collaborating with someone you don't work with all the time. Uh, Using those theater techniques I was describing earlier, we can start to be a little bit vulnerable with each other in a uh, in a safe format where you can start to build that empathy, not just because you think they're a fun person, but because you realize how much they care about their work. You realize how challenging sometimes their work might be, and you can better support each other because of it. And as you say, you can reset your understanding. Exactly. I feel like most of the ways that we interact with each other in all areas of our lives are partially by habit. We make assumptions based off of our background, our experience. And part of that is what we have evolved to keep ourselves safe by kind of categorizing things as good or bad or safe or not safe. And some of those patterns of thinking and those habits don't really serve us all the time. So sometimes we do need to have that reset moment to see something from a different perspective. Reframing things as well. When I've looked back, and sometimes I, I need to reframe. Mm-hmm. Completely get on that stage and look at it from another actor's point of view. Maybe learn their lines so that you know a bit more about the character. Exactly. Now, you had a workshop recently, and I wish we hadn't missed it. It was, it was only about a week ago. Would you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So I have been talking to a lot of uh, a lot of folks and knew I wanted to put a workshop out there so people could see what these theater exercises look like and feel like. I've got photos on my website, but that only goes so far. And so I put together this workshop based off of what uh, managers and leaders were asking for. They all told me that remote leadership was still the biggest kind of skill and hurdle that they were facing. And, you know, I thought, wow, I mean, 14 months into this, I would have thought that that wouldn't be as um, prevalent in people's minds. But, you know, really, we're still facing these challenges. And maybe many of us are realizing those challenges aren't going to go away. So, yeah, so we had a great workshop uh, last week, a week ago today. And it was interactive. It was fun. We had a lot of folks join. And um I hope to be doing some more uh, free workshops because I really just want to be able to be of service and uh, help people to realize that there are different ways to approach their work, each other in the workplace, and uh, and these types of conflicts or challenges that we encounter. And the best way to find out about these workshops is to jump on your site. And I think you have a contact form or an email yep. so that people can keep updated about this. Exactly. Yeah, I've got my my little contact form in there and you're more than welcome to drop your email in and I send out notifications there. You can also follow McLaughlin Method on LinkedIn as well. And she has fantastic blogs, which make for a great read as well. I know that you have Zen in your life. You have found Zen. Zen (laughs) for you. Would you tell me about Zen? (laughs) So Zen is my cat. Uh, and I've had him for about two months now, and he has been such a just mental health boost uh, for me. I am an extrovert, and I have definitely needed 
more connection during this time. Uh, my partner who I live with is wonderful uh, and he's an introvert and doesn't want me to talk to him all the time. So <laughs> now having this cat, I get to talk to him. Uh, and it's just been wonderful. And I've been really enjoying sharing silly photos of him uh, on my private Facebook page. And I really enjoy that some of my friends have said, oh, I love Zen updates. I, I do. I jumped on and had a look and it, it was just, it made me feel I really needed a bit of Zen. So I think I'll be tuning in for my daily dose of my med oh, excellent. meditation with a cat. Hey, I, well, I did see something I didn't understand. What's a million cups Seattle? Oh, so I'm an entrepreneur, right? And uh, One Million Cups is an entrepreneur community. It's actually a nationwide uh, nonprofit community that is founded by the Kauffman Foundation. Uh, and there's chapters all over the country. They all follow a similar structure. And I'm one of the volunteer organizers for the Seattle chapter. And it's we meet every week, 9 a.m. on Zoom, and that, that is the same structure all across the country. So if you're tuning in from somewhere else in the United States, uh, look up a local chapter near you. And I started going to these before I was an entrepreneur. And going to these meetings gave me the community and the confidence that when I got laid off last year uh, because of COVID, that I knew I was ready to start my business because I had a community, I had new skills, and and I just knew that I wasn't going to be in it alone. So One Million Cups, another uh, great resource for entrepreneurs or some other community, finding that support. We all need that support to combat the isolation. Wait up. You only just, you're a startup? Wait. I am. <laughs> But this is incredible. I mean, great website. Uh, you've got so much to offer. I got the impression you've been doing this for decades. When did you actually kickstart this? Oh, thank you. Well, I have been kind of hatching my business uh, and my plans for my business for decades. Uh, and I only kind of officially opened shop. Um, I got laid off a, a little over a year ago. And um, I really kind of only got started last summer with really building out my website and figuring out who's my customer and going through that whole process. Getting laid off in the middle of, of a pandemic. Uh, wow. But look, what came, but look what came out of it. Exactly. Go to mclaughlinmethod.com and you can schedule a free consult. And if your team is struggling to connect because you know you're still remote if the staff are burned out because of a pandemic the pandemic i mean we're still in the pandemic and also if you're feeling lost on on what to do about employee engagement and if you're if you're losing sleep if you're in the hr department and you're you're like up to about 30 milligrams of melatonin <laughs> or if you're a ceo and founder and you're just got your head in your hands going i want to be better i want to be better and you notice the productivity's dropping and you can't even, the thought of going to another executive team meeting when you hear that goals were missed again, please reach out to Katie. She has the answers. Uh, jump on her site and uh, make sure you, you check out her workshops. Is there, that's the best way to get hold of you, isn't it? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. So you can jumpstart engagement strategy. You get an action plan. She'll work with you, the HR person, the CEO uh, core executive executive uh, members and uh, you are bespoke so you'll be able you can tailor this to any particular company that's right especially with 10 years in startup 
Katie, thank you so much. Look, I'm really sorry. I, I feel like I didn't do you justice. It's um, quarter to five my time. And uh, I, after about three o'clock, I, I tend to dip. So, oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's, so I really don't feel I did you justice, but you were absolutely fantastic. It's a great day out in Seattle, and that tends to hit me like a ton of bricks. But I am so grateful that you made the effort to connect, and I got to hear a little bit more about your business. Yeah, same here. And I thought this was probably one of my favorite interviews oh. uh, for a podcast. And I just really appreciate um, just how much you have shared and uh, the this container that you've created and inviting me on it. So thank you. Thank you for coming onto my stage. I definitely want you to be part of a series and I look forward great. to seven seasons in a movie. <laughs> Sound, oh, sounds great. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye-bye.